everybody, and welcome back into your favorite podcast. It's the Talk Off. I'm here with Daz and Jake. We are back for another episode, and we're going to get into what's going on in the MLB this year. But first, guys, how was your weekend? Memorial Day weekend, day off of work yesterday. How was it? Uh, it was. It was. It was pretty good. It was. Uh, it was filled with a lot of uh, Coors Light and a lot of uh, sleepless nights. But it was. It was well worth it. It was well worth um, celebrating this great country that we all share a part of. It's true. Producer Jake, back on the East Coast, the world is right. The world, uh, it feels good. It feels good to be back, see all the boys this weekend. Um, Yeah, I had a great Memorial Day weekend. Got to see my heat finally advance. Stop. uh, Let's ride. But you're, but you're a nugget. You you literally are a Denver nugget. I know, but... My heat. I can't believe you just said that. Something about the heat, man. It's not something about the heat. You just like Jimmy Butler. Just say it. I like Jimmy Butler. I like that they're underdogs. I don't know. I, I feel like, and I said this before, I feel like you know, no matter who won last night, it did not matter. Like whoever won was gonna get destroyed by the Nuggets in the final. I think the Nuggets are gonna kill them. I've I've been thinking about sprinkling money on the sweep. I'm not even. I kidding. think I think it's Nugs in five, probably. I think it's Nugs in four or five, and I think the Heat also like they they got rid of a lot of energy trying to take down the Celtics. Like going up 3-0, they were hoping that they could finish it in 4 or 5 and then rest. They didn't get the rest. Nuggets are very They've rest been well rested. Rest, obviously, yes, yes, but I don't know, I, if I'm the Heat, I'm a little gassed. They got a couple old guys, you know, Kevin Love, Udonis Haslam even though he doesn't play. Kevin Love is old. You know Kevin Love has never not made it to the finals when he's been in the playoffs. Huh. Interesting. I I didn't even know Kevin Love was still playing. I asked a he question this Jason. weekend. I, I asked a question this weekend. I, I saw Kevin Love on the bench. I said, Kevin Love is still playing basketball? That's how little I know about the NBA. Yeah, he is still playing basketball. It's crazy. But we're, but but guess what? This is not a basketball podcast. It's a baseball podcast. So let's get into the MLB. First on the docket, Chris. I want to talk about the San Diego Padres because they just got the journeyman, move. the journeyman of the year, Gary Sanchez, going to change the Padres team completely around. This team has been struggling, and, and they're about to hit a stride with Gary Sanchez behind the plate. Yeah, the Kraken makes its way up to uh, San Diego. I forgot and they used to call him that. Yeah, it's a really, really, really stupid nickname. Doesn't make um, any sense. No. So Gary Sanchez now on his fourth team in probably the last four months. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good estimate. So Minnesota, San Francisco, New York, and now San Diego. The Kraken goes to Slam Diego. I just find it hilarious. I mean, I kind of saw the move coming because the Padres have gotten negative out of the catching position. It hasn't even been even close to league average. It's so bad. Like, like Austin Nola is catching everyday games for them, and it's just it's terrible. The guy can't hit, and he's not that great of a defensive catcher for it to like for them to be like, oh, at least he's good defensively. Like he's just really bad. So they had to go after Gary Sanchez, try to change something up at the catching position, and 
that's not the only position that the Padres need. I mean, the Padres are struggling right now real hard. I mean, they dropped two out of three from the Sox. Then they went on a little bit of a run, and then they just dropped another two straight. The Padres just – we have talked about it before, and it, it's so weird to keep saying, but I think it bodes so much – it's so much the Padres' season of – top end talent and your bottom four hitters. Like it's what we talk about every time we talk about the Padres. It's like, you can't win games throughout the regular season with four MVP guys. Those are the guys who carry you in a play in the playoffs and a playoff run. But to win regular season games, you need one through 26 on the roster to all step up and all have huge roles on the team. It's just, it's just how it's done. It's how the Dodgers do it every year. It's how the Rays are doing it. It's how, teams win over 100 games that everyone has to contribute and when your top end guys aren't even carrying the bottom four guys like what do you get what are you supposed to do Manny Machado's hurt Soto leads their team in average Juan Soto leads their team in average he's batting 261 this team is struggling the ad adding Xander Bogarts yeah off to a hot start May comes around shit the bed this team can't hit and the pitching is just not the guys that they have in the staff are just not what they use. Blake Snell is not raised Blake Snell anymore. You Darvish is not Rangers. You Darvish anymore. He's a different guy. So I, I think this team has, has a lot to be sitting there and thinking about, especially in the ownership and general managers offices thinking like, what the fuck did we just do? And what are we going to do? Because Juan Soto, as we know, is a free agent after this year. So this team is in such a weird spot. They need to start winning games or else you can't justify spending almost like a billion dollars this offseason and probably another four or five hundred million if they try to re-sign Soto. Yeah, in the past few years, there's been real, really two teams who have jumped out at the front of the market as big spenders, and that's been the Mets and the Padres. The difference between the Mets spending and the Padres spending and the way that they're operating front offices is... Steve Cohen hasn't really blown up the farm system yet for a player. I'm sure that at some point will happen. It hasn't it has yet to happen, but he's blown the he's he's definitely blown the roof off the bank. Like let's 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 get that out of the way. He's definitely spent a lot of money, hasn't blown up the farm system yet. The Padres have done both. They've spent a shit ton of money and they've traded away pretty much their entire farm system. To get to where they're at right now, essentially in a non-competitive ball club, playing reverse money ball, this this was a plan that was either going to look, make them look like geniuses or it was going to make them look like complete assholes and morons. Right now, it's doing the latter, and it's uh, it's a it's definitely a time in San Diego where you have to you have to pivot soon but it's unknown what that pivot will be. It's it's really the hardest decision, and it could change the course of the franchise for the next decade. Do you let Soto walk, or do you try to muster up some more money to sign him? You're going to have a billion dollars committed to three players. I mean, they already essentially do. So now the biggest question is, is do you let a generational talent like Soto walk? And maybe you do. Maybe you do, because ever since he's come over to San Diego, 
He hasn't really looked like him, his old self. I mean, we look at the numbers in D.C. compared to San Diego. It's MVP caliber compared to somebody who is just an ab- above-average player. 100%. Yeah, There is no question that he has not hit his stride since going to San Diego. And obviously, we see the walk rate is always up and the strikeout rate is usually down. But we've seen that strikeout rate come up a little bit He's last year when he came over. And- He's not swinging the bat as much. Exactly. And, you know, he's always been a walk. I wouldn't say a walk first guy, but he's always looking for a guay on base. He'll take a walk. He'll get a base hit. He'll take a hit by pitch. Like this is a guy who has always been his number one thing when you talked about Juan Soto was that he had such a good approach to the plate and that he could give you 20, 25% walk rate, which is incredible. When guys are just getting on bases, this is the guy who was supposed to lead the on base lead the league in on base percentage every single year. It wasn't even supposed to be a question. It was Juan Soto was going to lead in on base. He's going to lead in walks, and he does lead the league in walks right now. But walks can only do you so much when you're supposed to be one of the best players on your team, and every one of the other besides Tatis, I guess you could say, every one of the other superstars is really struggling right now. They they need someone to come out and step up and be that guy and there would be nothing better for Padres fans for a Padres ownership general management Padres players than Juan Soto being that guy because of who they they gave up their they gave up, they gave a up everyone. for Juan Soto Mackenzie Gore was a top pitching prospect when he went over there CJ Abrams was a top infield prospect when he first came up James yep. Wood is another prospect who's been shoved around a bunch of times, but is a very good printing prospect. They gave up a lot of this capital to get Juan Soto, and they wanted the Nationals version of Juan Soto, and that's just not what they have gotten so far. The Padres just – they need to step it up. I don't know what what is going to happen. My guess is they'll make a move at the deadline, but – when you don't have that much capital, it's hard to make moves at the deadline because you can't just throw a shit ton of money at people. That's not how the deadline acquisitions work. You have to trade from things that you have in the in the in your minor league system that you have a surplus of mm-hmm. and trade that for people who are going to help you right now. We had talked about the Padres nonstop for the last year. We've talked about the Padres. And that this is the fucking window. If you don't win now, yeah. when are you going to win? Because you gave up all this money and all these prospects to win now, to win in the next five years. A World Series should be going back to San Diego. And right now, they're playing subpar baseball. And we were saying they were probably going to win the West this year. It was almost like, not I wouldn't say a lock, but everyone had the Padres going to at least, at least the NLCS, if not the World Series. So... Anything short, like there's a possibility they might even make the playoffs this year. We're in that month that we were talking about. We're getting to June where we start finding out if teams are going to be buyers or sellers, if teams are going to step up and start playing to push for the playoffs or say, let's take a backseat and see what we got next year. Because that's just how this game works. The teams that are fringe have to make that decision. And right now, the Padres are a fringe team. They're not top end. Ta- they have top end talent, but they're not a top team right now. Yeah, no, they're um, they have top end talent. You couldn't have said it any better. They have top end talent, and they are not performing at a top end level. So, like I mentioned earlier, this is a this is June, July. We're getting to the the trade deadline, Soto contract year. Within the next 45, 50 days, the Padres have 
probably the most important decision in franchise history in terms of what to do with a guy like Juan Soto. I mean, I would have to imagine his trade value hasn't taken that much of a hit, if really any, to be honest with you. I mean, it's still Juan Soto. I mean, people say, yeah, well, he hasn't played well in San Diego, but I mean, you're looking at a sample size of 12 months here since he's been traded. So I don't think it really affects his trade value that much. I think, look, if you really wanted to go out there and you wanted to deal Soto, I think you'd have some really interested people on the line, but I don't think you're going to have as many people as you probably would have if he had another year on that contract. I think the fact that this is a contract year and a lot of teams are going to look at him as a rental, this could be uh, this could be no good for the Padres in terms of getting value back for one of their biggest assets at this rate. Because if you look at it like... I don't even know what they're going to do. It's just that they have such a hard decision to make. Like, honestly, if I'm them, like, I would probably consider trading Tatis before I would trade Soto. And I know it's going to have hard, it's going to be really hard to find people to eat that 11 to 12 year contract or whatever the hell they gave Tatis, but it just seems a lot better to get rid of a guy, get off your payroll, just, and just take a risk on Soto. Like, it just, uh, yeah, it, I, I don't know. It, it, it's really hard to find out where they're going to go from here. I, and if if I was a betting guy, I, I would say that the Padres are going to ride out this year. I'm sure they will make a move for a deadline for someone, most likely a pitcher, I would say. But for someone, they're going to make a move at the deadline for. And then I think they're going to ride the season out. And if the season ends and they're not a playoff team, and even if they are a playoff team and don't go far, I do think that they will part ways with Juan Soto and he's going to sign somewhere else. I say that because when you already, like we said, when you already have almost a billion dollars for three guys, Tatis, Bogarts, and Machado, it's hard to add another four or $500 million contract to that payroll. It, it really is. You know, we say money's fake in the MLB, but it's, it's still real. It's still, that's still a, a massive amount of money that these owners have to put up. So I really don't think that we're going to see Juan Soto in a Padres uniform for years to come, but who knows? You never know. The, San Diego has done a bunch of things so far that I didn't think they would do. So we'll really have to wait and see what goes on in San Diego. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It'll be really interesting uh, to watch this all unfold. As someone who really doesn't have any skin in the game here, I'm not a Padres fan. I'm not a fan of any team in the NL West. Uh, in fact, we're the Mets are thousands of miles away from all of this drama. So it's going to be fun to watch this team have to, uh, you know, pretty much decide their next few years in their course of their franchise um, while I sit back here with my arms reclined as I remember them bouncing us from the wild card last year. I got the last laugh. I got the last laugh. It's true. So we'll have to see what, what they end up doing. Moving on to the AL East, we're going to go talk about the – the. I was not the Red Sox. I was going to say the Red Sox because I love them so much. But the New York Yankees, I hate talking about them because they're the worst team ever. But the Yankees are getting hot, man. They're hot at the right time. And – you, you you can say, you know, it's a bunch of things. It's people coming back. It's blah, blah, blah. But there, there's really only one answer to why the Yankees have been playing so well. And and we all know the answer to that. It's Aaron Judge. 
is it's Aaron Judge. The guy is is he's incredible. And I'm not going to sit here and bash Aaron Judge because I, I respect the game of baseball and I respect Aaron Judge too much to to sit here and bash him. The guy's incredible. What he does at the plate is, is is incredible, and the adjustments that he's been able to make from his rookie season until now. When he was a rookie, it was fastballs up and away and up and in. And it was sliders down and away, and he could not touch the slider down and away after seeing a fastball at his eyes. He just couldn't. He couldn't lay off the fastball at his eyes, and then you throw the slider away, he literally could not touch it. But he made the adjustment. He has has a much better approach to the plate than he did in his early years, and the guy is just absolutely incredible. And as I've said quite, quite many times, you take Aaron Judge off this team – and the team is garbage. You put him on, and something just happens. When Aaron Judge is playing for the Yankees, something happens. He brings that energy to the team, and he passes that energy around the whole team, and the team just plays better when he's on the field. I think we're um, we're about to enter the stage of needing to have the conversation, <clears throat> and I'm excluding Otani out of this because he's just – He's just on a different level. Like, it, yeah, it, it, no, I, we're, we're excluding it's Otani from what I'm about to say, but he's the outlier here, and he's really the only outlier the game's ever seen. But I think you're starting to, you're going to have to start ha- to have the conversation. Aaron Judge is better than Mike Trout. Yeah, it's a conversation that a lot of people have been having in the past year, especially because obviously the season that. Judge just came off of in the start that he's out to now, and obviously Mike Trout slowing down. Now, do, do I think that overall, right now, Aaron Judge is a better player than Mike Trout? Yeah, you could probably say that. Career-wise and skill-wise, I still think Trout is the best play, baseball player I've ever seen. But I think right now, you could definitely say that right now in the league, Aaron Judge is definitely a better player yeah, than Mike Trout. definitely. He, I agree 100%. They, he hits everything. You know, He's still going to strike out 20, 25% of the time. It's just going to happen. That's who he is. But when you're still hitting 280, 290, and you're driving in 100-plus RBIs, and you're hitting 45, 50 homers every year, does it really matter if you strike out 20, 25% of the time? Not really. The Yankees will take that. And I think when we talk about the Yankees, the biggest thing that we need to talk about is the fact that they're just going to get better. Anthony Volpe is getting more games under his belt. Obviously, he's not the insane shortstop that the Yankees might have hoped for. He's been struggling, but he's going to get more games under his belt, and that's good for the Yankees. Aaron Judge is looking healthy right now. Donaldson's going to come back. They're going to have Tommy Canely come back. And then don't forget, I wrote down in my notes specifically, I completely keep forgetting that the Yankees have Carlos Rodon, and he is coming back. He threw a couple bullpen sessions the past couple of days. He's been saying he's feeling really good. The whole back spasm thing is not a problem anymore. He probably got some insane shots that cost like fifty grand. that the Yankees were just like, here, take it. And he said he's been feeling good. He's excited to face live pitching very soon. And when this guy comes back, this Yankees team is missing what it needed, and that's another top-end pitcher because Nestor Cortez has not been the guy of last year. You know, Severino, you never really know what you're going to have with him. And Garrett Cole's been great. He's been really good, but he's been starting to give up the long ball recently, and that is something that is very scary when it comes to Garrett Cole because 
He is notorious for striking out a shit ton of guys and giving up home runs. So getting Rodon back is huge for this team, and they're just getting hot at the perfect time with Aaron Judge at the top of it, leading them to victory every single day. Yeah, I Judge is a um, he's a special player. There's no there's there's no way around it. He's he is he's good, man. He's really fucking good. You just you look at the look at the game last night on Memorial Day and Monday night the um, you know he had two home runs and robbed the home run. So I mean, like it's he's playing out of his mind. He's on pace to probably win another MVP. Probably he has seventeen homers now. I mean. You'd have to figure he's probably going to hit at least, we're talking at least 40 and change this year. So it's it's fun, it's a fun time to be a Yankee fan right now, especially like you mentioned, Rodon is finally starting to look like he's getting on some sort of road to a faster recovery than we've seen him in the past few weeks. So hopefully maybe like a June, July return for Rodon. But once the Yankees get Rodon back and that rotation is established the one two of Cole and Rodon it's like kind of come get us now absolutely it'll be interesting to see it's going to be actually really interesting to see if the Rays step up because at this rate at this rate if the Yankees are playing this well without Carlos once it comes back that's going to be essentially like a trade trade deadline acquisition Absolutely. So the Rays are going to have exactly. to step up and and probably find their own guy to, to step up. And I mean, it, it could be Glass now, but are you really going to bank on a guy to come back and change a team as much as the Yankees will probably be changing once Carlos gets back in the rotation? Absolutely. You, you couldn't have put it in a better term. Getting Carlos Rodon back for the Yankees is going to be exactly like a trade, line, trade deadline acquisition. He is going to be a guy to come in who has not pitched for the entire year and he is going to help this team immediately. He is going to help this team. And I think that's just what the Yankees really need. And I think it gives them opportunities come trade deadline time to go out there and get other guys, get more, get a bat, get a, get a corner outfielder, somebody who can, is a veteran been to the playoffs before and can help the Yankees on their playoff push because getting Carlos Rodon back, Boom, there it is. That's the pitching that you needed, and you don't need to go out there and make an acquisition. You have that guy in-house. So I think that's really important for the Yankees. And look, this is this team is only six games back from the Rays. They're only two games back from second place Baltimore. They are on fire, 10 games over 500 right now, 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. This team, I'm telling you, is hitting the right strides at the right time. And if I'm Baltimore, I'm getting scared about my number two spot because Baltimore is a team that, you know, obviously got out to a very hot start and we're very high on Baltimore. They score a lot of runs, but the question about Baltimore and why they have been playing so well is that pitching staff, is that pitching staff going to do as well as it has been over 162? The answer is probably not, but we really don't know because I think that bullpen's gonna hang gonna hang around. And I think that bullpen's gonna hold up, but will the starting rotation of Dean Kramer and John Means and Kyle Gibson and Tyler Wells, will they I am so sorry. Masataka Yoshida just had me speechless. They said oh, this man couldn't oh, play defense. Lindor just hit a home run too. Whoa, Whoa look at us go. Look at us go. <laughs> but yeah, the question with the Orioles really is is the pitching staff going to hold up? And if it doesn't, the Yankees are right there. Going to have Rodon back. 
He still doesn't have a date set to come back, but I don't really think I don't think he's eligible until mid June. So it, we're probably looking at an end of June start for Rodon. You know, I, I saw a um, press conference with Aaron Boone a couple of days ago, and he was say, talking about how they don't they really want to be careful with him because they respect him too much. They they, they don't want to push this guy, and then years down a couple of years down the road, he he dies they they need this guy to be back fully fully healthy in order to completely help them they don't need him going down a month after he comes back because they rushed him so i think the yankees are going to be careful with him i think they should do that and i think they're in just in a great spot gonna get guys back and and just keep going yeah i think uh like you said i think this is gonna put the al east on a kind of like a warning call yankees are definitely getting better they're not getting worse anytime soon. So this is kind of a wake-up call to, you know, like you mentioned, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, even Boston, even D- Toronto too. It, hell, it's everyone. It's all it's all four of them. It's all of them. It's all four, it's all four other teams in the AL East. It's time to wake up and uh Yankees are coming because what what what's the what, what are the Rays current lead? Is it seven and a half? They have a four-game lead on Baltimore, six on the Yankees. Okay, that's what I was. I thought it was seven and a half on the Yankees. Um, yeah, Tampa Bay is probably going to have to make a move now because, and that's that's the question. I kind of wanted to bring up that question for you. Well, they're going to have think, to cushion that lead at some point, and I don't know do what think, they're going to do. But it's Tampa is what we're talking about. This is not a team notorious for making a lot of moves, and when they trade guys. They're big on trading the the big guy and getting the prospects. They don't really trade for those. They don't get those crazy veterans. So is this the year that they're finally going to do it? They're going to break the money ball system and they're going to say, fine, we'll pay someone a little bit of fucking money. They need someone at least get a rental for the end of this year. Like I think they have pitching problems. I think it's going to be a rental. If they have pitching problems, a guy who I have I had written down, a guy like Eddie Rodriguez, who's having a career year this year in Detroit, why not get Eduardo Rodriguez down in Tampa if you need a pitcher when the time comes? I think this is the year. Tampa, obviously, the historic start. They've cooled off, but they're still playing great baseball day in and day out. I think teams fear the Rays when they have to play the Rays because they know they can get beat in so many ways. By They can get beat by the lineup. They can get beat by the starting rotation. They can get beat by the coach. I just think this has to be the year that the Rays finally make a move, get them over the hump, and win a fucking World Series. They can't just keep doing this thing so where they're have, very yeah. good and they no. can't finish. All right, so I have a question for you. So Major League Baseball ranks the Rays farm system as the sixth best in baseball, okay? Okay. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay came close in 2020. They've obviously they they've been making the playoffs for the past few years. We, we know what they're capable of and we know exactly what their style of baseball is. It's, it's no secret. What if the Rays just said, "Fuck it. Let's blow up the farm system like you said." And what if they went after a guy like Soto, who's a, clearly probably not going to resign with them, but they just go balls to the wall for a World Series? So something like that is is actually really interesting because I I actually I want to see what is Soto getting paid this year. Uh, I think somewhere in the ballpark of like twenty five to thirty two, twenty three. He's making twenty three this year, and you know uh, 
that's not that big of a contract that the Rays could not pay him for the rest of the year and be fine. And I think that's something that that's a move that everyone in baseball, it leaves their jaw on the floor because they're like, what the fuck? Because if this team, if this team, this organization can develop players like they have, can trade players like they have, and then can go and trade for veteran top end league talent. This is the scariest organization, maybe besides the Dodgers in baseball. And if I'm everyone, I, I'm f- terrified of what they might do. Because if they end up trading for Juan Soto and they say, fuck it, we found our guy, let's spend money. Because they have spent, Wander Franco makes money, dude. Like they have spent money. I do think after this year, they have, uh, I think Rosarena is going to be a free agent. He's going to be looking for a contract as well. But, I think a move like trading for Juan Soto would be really, really interesting. And the, if any team has the capital to do it, it's definitely the Tampa Bay Rays. The question is, at that time, will the Padres want to? And we've already given our, given our opinion on that. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fun to see a team like Tampa Bay, who has played like a very specific style of baseball both on the field and in the front office. It'll be really interesting, excuse me, to see how they approach this deadline. Because if you really think about it, a lot of these guys eventually are probably going to go try to play somewhere else than Tampa Bay. I know they locked up Franco. Um, I, I'm not sure what series contract is. Rosarena, I think, is is there for a little bit. But like the, the the large portion of the ensemble is probably going to look to play elsewhere, and they'll probably get good money playing in a system like that. Like you look at some of these guys who played through the Astros system; when they leave, they get good contracts because the Astros produce good baseball players, and they play well as a unit, and that turns into good money in free agency. It'll be interesting to see if Tampa Bay is content with the current roster they have, or if ownership kind of wants to take that leap to I mean I would say they're already at an elite level I would say I would say player develop player development and strategy on field they are probably with the Astros in the best in the league 100% them the Astros and the Dodgers and the Rays I think that's that that's your three although like you look spending in the way that they maneuver and trade pieces they're probably one of the the lower tier teams maybe middle of the pack i mean they got those prospects through some trades but a lot of it has been you know international pool signings drafts it's, it's been a mixture of a lot so the rays we've never really seen the rays like you, you've never seen the rays make a splash it would be cool to see them do it this year not saying I have like a whole lot of faith in it happening. It's just something that is probably I would be shocked if this this wasn't a conversation the Rays front office front office wasn't currently having um, today. Like this is the, the deadline is is close. It's it's um you know it's at the end of July, but that's not a lot of time in baseball. You're absolutely right, a hundred percent. I mean. Let, let's face it. Th- this team can only go so far. I- I'm quite confident in that. And and you mentioned before, like a while ago, Tyler Glass. Now, like it, that could be a guy who comes back and is almost like a trade deadline acquisition. 
But do you really want to rely on the guy who has not really pitched all that much in the past two, three years? Not really. This is the time that the Rays need to go out there and make a big splash. I love the way that I love that you use the word splash because the Rays have made trades. They, a lot, a, a good portion of their lineup has been through trades, but it was them trading Blake Snell, them trading Chris Archer, like like guys like that, them trading huge pieces that they get for guys that they and their fantastic scouting team evaluate and scout and say, this is a guy that we can get the same production out of this guy, but we can pay him $10 million less. It's literally Moneyball. It's incredible what they've done. If you look at their lineup, you'll never see a huge name, obviously, besides Wander Franco. You want like Jose Siri. He was average. Now he's very good. Yandy Diaz, average, now very good. Harold Ramirez, terrible, now average. Like this team just they know how to develop guys, they know how to assess guys, they know how to evaluate guys. They just do a fantastic job and I hope this is the year they finally make the move. Yeah, I agree. This would be a fun. I I mean the the, the Rays are already a fun team to watch. I, I know it's a, it's a little bit different, you know, speaking to a Red Sox and a Yankee fan here. To, to say that the Rays are a fun team to watch, but from an outsider's perspective, they're a load of fun, and I really hope they do something to push them over the edge and maybe get them a ring. Absolutely. All right, so just moving around the league here, I want to move over to the AL Central, and you could say probably maybe the worst division in baseball. With the Twins leading the division and the second-place Detroit Tigers this week take over the the, sec, the former second-place Cleveland Guardians. I want to start there, Chris. I want to talk about this Guardians team because I watched a couple Guardians games this past, this weekend, this past week, and it's just bad baseball, man. It, it's just bad. They can't hit. They cannot. They are the worst hitting team in the entire league, worse than the Oakland A's. They are last. They can't hit for shit, and and it's all across about, the board. It's everyone. It's not it's like everyone. one guy is 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 playing it's, well, and it's it's everyone. It's not even like Jose Ramirez is having a great year, and they're still str- like Jose Ramirez is. I think he's batting like he like he's still having okay, like two eighty ish. I think he's got six homers, twenty five RBIs, but like that's not what they need from him to carry them. Andres Jimenez is useless this year. Ahmed Rosario is useless. Miles Straw, useless. Josh Bell, useless. Josh Naylor, useless. I could go through the whole fucking lineup. Everyone on that team can't hit the ball. It's incredible. And now this is a team who I personally had locked into the AL Central. Obviously, yeah, I, mean, I had them the, winning the, the Central. Yeah, the Twins were like, eh, they could, they could do it maybe. But this was the Guardians' division to take. It's the same. It's kind of the same conversation we had with the Cardinals in the NL Central. It's this was their division to take. Not many people were looking at other teams. They were looking at the Cardinals in the NL Central and the Guardians in the AL Central. This Guardians team cannot and will not hit the ball. They've been getting pretty solid pitching. Logan Allen, two seventy RA. Shane Bieber, three hundred four. Tanner Bybee, two eight eight. Like, obviously, Cal Quantrill's not out to the start they wanted, and Tristan McKenzie, unfortunately, went down with an injury, but they're getting the pitching. Like, they, they got five guys on this list with an uh, under 2-5 ERA. But let me tell you something. 
and I'll say it again, even though I've said it 75 times in the last five seconds, they can't hit the ball. Yeah, 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 they can't hit the ball. It's bad. It's really bad. It's, it's really bad. so bad. And this is the, the worst part. I'm sorry to cut you off, but the worst part about it is they're not playing Guardians base. This is a team that you could guarantee being one of the bottom teams in probably OPS, probably being one of the bottom teams in slugging, and probably being one of the bottom teams in home runs. You did not expect this team to not even hit singles. Stephen Kwan is batting 260. That's not what Stephen Kwan does. Andres Jimenez is batting 220. Like, it's it's incredible that these guys that were performing last year and playing Guardians baseball, singles, guys on base, yeah, boom, I, Jose Ramirez hits them in. It they're just not doing it anymore. I think it's I think it's maybe just like a little bit of like a, a culture rut. I think one thing leads to another. I think there's just bad vibes that goes around the locker room. I think just one once you're once you're kind of in that rut, it's really, really easy to stay in it. I think that's what the Mets are finally starting to work themselves out of here, but I, I I can understand where Cleveland fans are frustrated. You, look, you had a team that a lot of people thought would be competing or maybe even win this division. You're five games under 500. It's uh, nothing. Nothing is really working right in Cleveland right now. And to make matters worse, to make matters worse, the Detroit Tigers are ahead of you in the division right now, and that's a team no one, nobody thought would be in the bottom half or, or excuse me, the top half of the AL Central come June 1st. I don't think anybody had the Detroit Tigers on June for not on on May 30th. Well, pretty much it's pretty 20, much June 1st. Yes, but I'm saying on May 30th, 2023, I don't think any person had the Detroit Tigers being two games under 500. Yeah. And I mean Detroit's getting great pitching. I I was oh my god, I w- I was looking at the stats today. The hitting is still god awful, but they're getting great. They've been getting great pitching. Career year from Eduardo Rodriguez, who's going to get dealt. I almost put my life savings on that he will get dealt, and they're they're a game and a half above the Guardians. They're they're, they're playing good enough baseball to be second in the worst division in baseball. And yeah. If I'm Cleveland, dude, I'm sitting there and and I am I'm starting to get a little worried because obviously they're only three and a half back from the lead, so this is not an incredible lead that Minnesota has that nobody can come back from. I'm not; it's definitely not that. And Minnesota's not playing insane baseball right now. This is this is a division that is, really is up for grabs. Even the White Sox at seven games back, I think, could still win this division if they figured it all out. I don't think that's going to happen, but I wouldn't count anyone out of winning this division. I would not give it to the Twins right now, but if the Guardians don't figure something out, we're going to be sitting here in a month or two and saying the Twins are taking this, no question, because Detroit's obviously not going to stay in second. They they suck. They, they suck. So the Guardians have to turn something on. They have to find something. We know they're not going to make a move because that's not the team they are, especially on a fringe year this year. So they're really looking for guys in the system. They do have a pretty good uh, minor league system. Maybe somebody could come up and bring a spark to this team. But right now, they are not getting the production that they need, especially from the young guys like Quan, Rosario, Jimenez, guys that were really stepping up last year that just aren't doing it this year. Yeah, it's uh, that's the shot. No one had that on their bingo card. 
in March. No way. Yeah. But, like, there's not – I feel like this year there hasn't been too many things that have shocked me. I mean, the Nationals – The Mets sucking, the, Mets sucking yeah. the Padres sucking kind of just yeah. – Yeah, but like they're not sucking so bad that I'm like shocked. Like the Nationals got off to a hot start. That kind of shocked me. The Rockies aren't playing terrible baseball. That kind of shocked the me. The Pirates but, are playing damn near 500 baseball, which is funny. That Yeah, the Pirates' start was – that shocked me, but – I feel like no team this year has shocked me like the Cleveland Guardians. I really like I thought this was a team that was going to go back to the playoffs, be probably back in the wild card game, but most likely win the wild card game and and go on a run, you know. I'm a I'm a I'm a Guardians guy. I like the Guardians. They play old school baseball. You're GG. You're the Guardians guy, man. Fucking A. I, damn right. They 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 play appealing baseball to me. Singles, getting guys on base, and then get your power guys to hit them home. It's just it, it's classic baseball, and I love it. But they're just, it's just not cutting it right now. It's something has to change. Oh, it's not cutting it for damn sure. And nope. uh, something's something's gonna happen there. Some something something will definitely be changing. Uh, I'm not saying like Francona change, but uh, there'll be there's gonna be a shakeup in Cleveland. Don't I, I would would not be surprised. Yeah, so it, it it'll be really interesting to see what happens in Cleveland. You know, I'm sitting here, and and I'm watching the Red Sox-Reds game, and it just reminded me that I heard something today that I really hope is true. I heard that there's a possibility of an Ellie De La Cruz call-up for the Reds coming next week. Huh. Now that's – number that's, one. you want to talk about interesting – the number one prospect in baseball could be coming up within the next week. And if he does, we are going to see some of the best highlights we have seen in a long time. Yeah, this so let's guy. Go, let, let's talk a little 2023 stats for Cruz. 135 at bats, 304 batting average, 10 homers, 31 RBIs, 9 stolen bases, over 1,000 OPS. He could do it with the glove tool. Zach, this is a straight-up five-tool guy. This is th- this is what some people have described as the perfect prospect. People have described him as the perfect prospect. People have described him as some of the best, like the best baseball player they've ever seen. The guy is so smooth. He's so big. He can throw hard. He can run fast. He hits the ball a shit ton. He's not a terrible glove at shortstop. Let me tell you something. And, and he's born in 2002, by the way. That's a fucking he, weird thing. Oh, don't say that to me. Shit like that. Like, oh, that's how you know, like, you're getting older, man. Yeah. That's weird. I mean, like, we're obviously not old at all, but when when professional sports players start becoming, you know, the same age as you, and then you get older, and then they start becoming younger than you, you're like, God damn it! It only Zion Williamson was the first one for me. Yep. That was like me too, Whoa. me too, because he was this like the same year as us, or like a year younger, he was or whatever. a year younger than us. And then he got drafted, and I was like, Jesus, this guy's 18, and I'm fucking 20, just sitting here like an idiot. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. But if Ellie De La Cruz gets called up, I will be a very happy man because we will be seeing such great baseball, and that that's that's really exciting. And if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you're sitting there 
with your Cincinnati Reds hat and shirt on, being a Reds fan, and you are not excited for Ellie De La Cruz, you should go to YouTube and look up Ellie De La Cruz highlights, and you will get excited in about 30 seconds. Because this guy, uh, there's very few people that can hit the ball that hard and that far and just that well. And if, you, if you're a Reds fan, you got to be excited. Yeah, I mean... The Reds are uh they're an interesting team because they could like they have they have some some pieces on that roster. Hunter Green, Jonathan India, there's there's some flashes of what that team could be if things are you know steered in the right direction. And it, it looks like if Cruz could come up and be what people hope for him to at one point be, uh the Reds could be on the uptick. Absolutely. A, l- a lot of people are saying we're looking at a better O'Neill Cruz. You're going to see the highlights of O'Neill Cruz, but he's just going to be better. He's going to play better defense and he's going to hit the ball more. And, and if you're the Reds, that, that, that's what you need right now. You need guys to just come up and be all around good baseball players because when, you, when, you're, when you're such a struggling team of the past years as the Reds have been, you need just all around good players around. You don't need specific things. We don't need a power guy. We don't need a, a you know a lockdown closer. They need fucking all around baseball players, and that's what La De La Cruz is. One more thing that I want to bring up before we get into picks and roulette. I would like us all to sit here and give a round of applause to Liam Hendricks making it back this week. Yes, yes. What Liam a story, Hendricks. Liam what Hendricks. Story. Beating cancer, getting back on the field this quick. It's it's been what 5 months. It, it's incredible the comeback that the guys had. Huge standing ovation for him in Chicago. It was incredible. I almost teared up a little bit. It was It's just such a great story when I when a guy like that who who is known around the league for being such a good guy and such a great person to play against and play with for something so tragic to happen to him and then he spins it around and he's back and he's better than ever it, it it's it's incredible to watch and i just thought we should throw that in there you know he made the comeback this week and it's it's incredible even though the white Sox suck yeah, no, I was super happy to uh, to see Hendricks back on the field, uh, healthy, looked like his old self, had his same old swagger. This was something that uh, baseball fans in general were just happy to see after hearing the devastating news in January. So this is uh, this is truly remarkable, and just uh, and just really the tip of the cap to uh, how strong of a person he is both mentally and physically couldn't agree more so uh what do you say we get in some picks let's do it powered by riverside All right, we got picks for Wednesday, May 31st. Does anybody want to start? Um, 
I had my pick, and then Sanga threw a strikeout, and now I lost it. So bear with me for a split second. Bearing. Uh, I will go first. I am going to be taking the Atlanta Braves. Oh, minus, don't you dare. Minus one and a half against the Oakland Athletics. It's good value, dude. It's good value. I'm sorry. Didn't the A's beat the Braves the other day? Yeah, they won yesterday. Hey, never know. Or they didn't beat the Braves, though. Well, yeah, they, they did. Seven, yeah, they did seven, seven two. two. Yeah, so they're definitely not doing it again. Minus one oh, and a half. But one is minus one and a half. Oh. Whatever, dude. Whatever. Pick your stupid Braves over fucking. I'm, I think we should make a rule for picks. You're not allowed to bet on an athletics game. Okay, fine. You want, to, you, you, want, you want me to change my pick? No, keep your pick. No, I, I don't want you to change it. Jake, don't let him change it. You're writing. You write in Braves minus one and a half. You can't change. Uh, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go. Um, we're we're on a heater. We're on a five game heater, so it's bound to end eventually, but not this week. We're going Orioles Guardians over. The line's not out right now. I think playing, but we're still. I think we're like eight and one now on Orioles overs. It's it's unbelievable. Um, they didn't hit the over last night, so thank God we pushed recording back. Oh no, they would hit the over today actually. So fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Almost just pooped my pants, dude. Did you hear that? Oh, they're gonna hit it again. No. What happened? I farted really loud. Uh, oh, okay. No, I did not hear it. Thank God. Uh, Jake, just so you know, that's uh, Shane Bieber against uh, the Orioles. Have not announced anybody yet, so I have no. Clue I did. I be. did see that. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Know. No, 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 no. They hit. They know. hit though all the time. All right, so my pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out to the Bay Area, San Francisco. We're gonna the take Yay the Giants. Area, baby. Do you have to interrupt me? I'm trying to trying to make a pick here. Oh, I just said the Yay Area. I'm trying to make a pick for the people. How are they supposed to know my pick if you're yelling? Continue. The San Francisco Giants over the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Pittsburgh fucking sucks. Uh, they started out fantastic, and since then they've gone uh, six and nineteen, which is terrible. So yeah, Brad Keller against uh, Al- not James Wood. He's on the Nationals. Alex Wood. Uh, I like the Giants because they're playing some real good baseball, and Pitts- again, Pittsburgh sucks. Oh, we have uh, we actually have uh, kind of breaking news. Breaking news, and it has something to do with uh, the I San Diego Padres. Yeah, I just Valley saw that. Sports, who everyone knows is going bankrupt, has dropped the uh, has dropped the Padres. So MLB now, as Rod as Rob Manfraud has uh, stated back in, I believe it was February or March when Valley Sports was said to be going bankrupt, uh, and the possibility that they, that they wouldn't be able to broadcast uh, certain regional games. Um, Major League Baseball is going to step up and broadcast these games now. How about those apples? Screw, screw, screw the Padres. Those nerds. Roulette spin? Should we hit it today? We should probably stop yeah. fucking around and just hit it already. We should. I can do it. Thank you, Producer Jake. 
course. What are our numbers? What are we picking today? Yeah. Seven. I'm going to go with 17. I'm going to stick with the Hank, the Hank theory. 17, seven. I'm going to go 22 again. You sticking with 22 the whole time? Yep. It's going to make it boring seven. if we all stick with the same picks. I guess I'll change. What was Dawson's number? Seven. Seven. All right. Spinning. Spinning. Come on, baby. Seventeen. Not seven. Eight. Oh, my God. Is that seven? Oh. Eight. That was so close to get so far, bud. Almost. Also, for anybody who is still listening and keeping up to date with our ESPN Sunday Night Baseball picks, Jake is still in the lead, one game up on me. Daz has been making a comeback. He's one game down on me, so one game separating us, and we're going to keep it going. We will let you know what our picks will be on our next episode, which will be on Friday. So thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. We will see you back here on Friday with another great episode. We might have something special we're doing on Friday. So come on back. Watch the next episode. If you want to watch it on YouTube, watch it on YouTube. If you want to listen to it while you're at work to pass the time by, listen to the talk off. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you on Friday. Love you guys.